Praise God. Speaking of um, having faith and, and keeping faith, especially in the times that we're in, we're going to look at today how we should go about doing that. And, you know, I always like to make things very, very simple and kind of relate them to everyday life experience. And so you know that if you're hungry and if you're eating, it's very hard for you to starve. Amen. It's hard for you to starve if you're eating. However, if you go without food long enough, you start doing harm to your body. However, it's hard to starve to death if you're being fed. Therefore, being fed, what is being fed? Being fed is providing or giving nourishment to a person, a plant, or an animal. And if you're providing nourishment or feeding it, then that animal, plant, or person, it continues to flourish and it continues to grow. Over time, the organism becomes stronger and stronger. So if at one point you were hungry and you hadn't eaten in a while and you're feeling weak, if you start feeding yourself, you'll gain your strength back and you become stronger and stronger. Well, so it is with one of the most powerful enemies that Satan assigns to us Christians. Okay, I'll say that again. So it is with one of the most powerful enemies that Satan assigns to us Christians. The enemy's name is doubt. This enemy named doubt, just like any other organism, can grow if it is fed. And the more we feed it, the stronger it gets in our lives. Alright? The more you feed doubt in your life, the stronger it gets. Doubt and unbelief are big problems for Christians. Doubt and unbelief are negative and discouraging. They cause us to make poor choices, which make life difficult for us. They cause us to say things like, I wish I could lose weight, or I wish my kids would behave, or I wish I could keep my house clean, or I wish I had better relationships. Well, we need to stop wishing for things and make up our minds that God will help us to have wisdom, to make good choices, and to overcome our trials and tribulations if we will simply put our faith in Him. Another way we struggle with doubt and unbelief is by thinking God won't help us because of the fact that we haven't done everything right. You ever have that feeling? God's not going to help me or God's not going to bless me because I haven't done everything right. Or believing that God is willing to help other people but me. You know? You ever feel like at some point in time you see other people that are maybe doing better or prospering in some particular way, you know? And sometimes when you've got that spirit of doubt nagging at you, you know, then you wind up feeding it by thinking, well, gee whiz, God is helping so-and-so up the block. I mean, look how well he or she is doing. And here I am struggling and I'm praying to God and I'm reaching out, but yet still God's not helping me. I must be doing something wrong. You're feeding that spirit of doubt. Doubt and unbelief can outgrow faith if it is continually fed. Okay? Now listen to that, alright? Faith, uh, doubt and unbelief can actually outgrow your faith if it is continually fed. So the question is then we have to ask ourselves, how can we stop, <clears throat> excuse me, how can we stop feeding it and starve it? Okay? The question today is how can I stop feeding doubt and starve doubt out of existence? Now, on the other hand, we must also understand that the enemy of doubt is faith. Okay? The same way I'm saying here that doubt is our enemy, Satan has signed against us, the enemy of doubt is faith. Okay? 
Because doubt certainly cannot exist where faith is, and faith can overcome doubt. But we've got to stop feeding our doubt. We've got to starve, starve it. God does not expect perfection from us. All right? Please underline that in your, in your, in your mind. Write it down or, or keep it in your heart someplace and underline it in your heart. God does not expect perfection from us. God works in our lives through faith. He wants us to trust Him, believe in Him, to have faith in Him, and to have a hopeful, positive attitude. He wants us to expect Him to do good things in our lives. I'll say that again. He wants us to expect Him to do good things in our lives. How many of us forget to have that expectation? That one of the reasons that I am a child of God, I am I'm his uh, son or daughter, and therefore my expectation in life that he will do good things in my life. So therefore, as Christians, we must learn to starve our doubts and feed our faith. And that's the title of today's message. How to starve your doubt and feed your faith. And again, thinking back to a very, very basic premise, that anything that is being fed will wind up growing. A plant, an animal, a human being, okay, even a weed. A weed, a weed gets its sustenance from someplace, from water and from nutrients in the ground, and it winds up, it winds up growing. So if you feed your doubt, it indeed will grow. Remember that what is being fed flourishes and grows, and what is not fed starves and dies. So if you can starve the doubt that's in your life, then it will die. It will, it will decrease. It will cease to exist. So we want to starve our doubts and feed our faith. But how does all of that start? Well, the enemy doubt is often fed by our words. Okay? And make no, make no mistake about it. Doubt is indeed, it's an enemy. Alright? If, if, if doubt is a spirit, and it has an intelligence to some degree... And it feeds on the fact that you, that you continue your, your doubting. Doubt grabs onto you when you start worrying. Doubt grabs onto you when you, you, you hear the word of God, but then you wind up sitting there and you unconsciously say, oh, but that doesn't apply to me. Okay? How many times have you sat in a sermon and you heard something in a sermon that was said and it kind of, it kind of jumped in your spirit? But whatever the words were that were being said, but then you sit there and you unconsciously say, well, that really, gee whiz, that applies, oh boy, that sounds just like my cousin Hattie. Or that sounds just like my nephew Saul, so it sounds just like somebody else. But you refuse to think that that might be applying to you, you see? So again, the fact that you're doubting that it even applies to you is that you are feeding your doubt. And it's so easy for us to do. We greatly underestimate the impact of our words, you see. We've got to really start focusing on our words. I talked about this in September, the, the, the summer season is over, and now it's back to school or back to work, so to speak, as far as church and things are concerned. We've got to get back to a fundamental uh, 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 fact, okay, that you, 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 you oftentimes underestimate the power of your words. And you can say things that you will wind up inadvertently feeding your doubt and you're not even aware of what you're, being say, what you're saying. We greatly misunderstand the impact of the negative things that we speak. We greatly underestimate the power of the spoken word. Go to Genesis 1. Again, we always have to, to make, these, um, make these statements uh, based on the word of God and just not on someone's thought. My thoughts or anyone else's thoughts. Any other human's thoughts. Go to Genesis 1. 
We're talking about the power of the spoken word. Now we've been here before, but I want to revisit it because it fits in with, uh, with today's message. And starting with Genesis 1, verse 3. Genesis 1, verse number 3. And God said, underline the word said, God said, underline the words God said, if you don't already have it underlined. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then you go to verse number 6. And God said, underline the words God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Go to verse number 9. And God said, underline God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Go to verse number 11. And God said, underline God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Matter of fact, underline, and it was so. If you notice there in the scriptures we've read, each time that after God said, it says, and it was so. You go to verse number 14. And God said, underline, God said, let, the, uh, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, underline, and it was so. We go to verse number 20. And God said, underline, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we go to verse number 24. And God said... Let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, uh, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Underline, and it was so. And the last one here in verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, he him. Male and female created he them. So we see there that God in every one of these, these uh, scriptures here, it says that God said. It did not say that God thought God sat down and pondered and said that God said. And this is the example of the beginnings of the power of the spoken word. Okay? Now, you say, oh, gee whiz, I certainly can't say something and create a car for myself or create a house for myself. But the whole concept, though, of speaking forth God's word was set, if you will, right here in the book of Genesis. Later on, you see how Jesus used the spoken word. And we go to Matthew, the book of Matthew. Okay, we go to the book of Matthew, 
Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. Okay, Matthew 4 and verse number 1. Okay, and we know this is the temptation of Jesus in, in the desert there. You know, and the interesting thing about this is that um, this, was, this was following after Jesus had been baptized by John, by John the Baptist. And during Jesus' baptism, remember it says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and rested upon Jesus. And the Father from heaven said, this is my Son in, in whom I'm well pleased and so on. And then it says, then after that, Jesus went into the desert. Many times after we've had a tremendous blessing or anointing in our lives, the enemy will come at you to attack you in the same fashion. And maybe you've noticed that at some point in time you were blessed with something and something you were praying for was a great blessing and everything was going fine and a day, a week, a month will go by and all of a sudden it seems like all heck breaks loose where challenges and, and tribulation just seems to come your way. Well, many times it can follow like that, all right? And Jesus said that in this life you will have tribulation. He didn't say when or if. He said that you will. But then how do we handle that? We see that God set the precedent here in speaking forth the word. And now in looking at these scriptures, we're going to see that when Jesus went into the desert here, that Satan came against him. How did Jesus handle it? Chapter 4, verse 1. And we know these scriptures. We've been here a dozen times. Then was Jesus led up to the spirit, uh, led up uh, of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, if thou be the son of God underline the word if if thou be the son of God command that those stones be made bread so you see the first thing the devil there with the word if is he's trying to sow doubt so if you have some room in your margin there write in underline the word if and if you have some room in your margin write an attempt to sow doubt you see Jesus knew who he was but yet still the devil said well if you're the son of God you see now how does that apply to you today how many times have you had the thought, and you can only answer this to yourself or for yourself and do some thinking back, when something was coming up in your life that was challenging and you went and prayed about it, and you're praying about it and perhaps you're quoting scriptures, stop and think about how many times did a little thought slip into your mind? If you're really a child of God, if you're really saved, or how do I know God's going to, if, 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 you see, that's that spirit of doubt. That's that spirit of doubt. And you can't feed it. You've got to starve it right at that point. You've got to cut off any flow of food to that spirit of doubt. Okay? If he tried to make Jesus actually doubt that he was the son of God. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, why would he say that? Because he knew that Jesus was hungry. All right? That was a low point for Jesus, if you will. You know how you feel when you're hungry. I mean, gee whiz, boy. 
My wife and I have been in the car going someplace, and all of a sudden we get hungry. Man, we got to find some food. And we actually start saying, all right, before we go to so-and-so, let's get something to eat. Let's stop and get something to eat. So you know how it is when you're hungry, all right? So the devil thought at this point that he's hungry, so I'm going to make him doubt who he is, if you're really the son of God. And he didn't say, I'll give you a Cadillac to give you the thing that he needed, which in that case was bread. So when you're at your weak point in life and there's something that you're praying for, maybe it is a new car, maybe it's a new house or something like that, and you're praying for it, the devil will say to you, well, you know what? If you really are this or you really are that, and you do what I tell you to do, I'll give you that car, or I'll give you that house, or in this case, I'll give you the bread, or you change those stones and make it into bread. Okay? You see, so again, he, the devil tries to put you in a place that in order for you to bring about your desired state of being or the, the thing that you're praying about, that there's something that you need to do. All right? And Jesus says here, but it's not going to be anything that's in line with the word of God because he said that for you to turn the stones and be into bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he didn't, didn't argue with Satan. He simply turned around and quoted scripture to him. Jesus said these things. Underline in verse number four and said, he spoke forth the word of God. Okay? He continues there in verse number 5 and says, Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city, into the holy city, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, there he is again with that doubt. If that thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. You see? So the devil said, Let me try quoting scripture to Jesus. And he says, it is written. All right? Okay, but actually what Satan did was here, you know, even though, you see, the devil can quote scripture to you, or make an attempt to quote scripture to you, but he's going to quote it wrong. Okay, he's going to quote it wrong, and I, and I won't go there right now, but he's actually, he's actually trying to quote from Psalm 91, verses 9 or 10, somewhere around there. But he misquoted the scriptures, you see? You see? So when you are in this state of mind, and you're, and you're listening to someone that's telling you something, and that person all of a sudden starts throwing scripture at you, you better make sure that you know the scripture to know that what that person is saying to you is inaccurate. It's not what the Word of God says, you see? So that's another reason that you need to make sure that you're studying the Word of God. But again, though, the point I'm making here in verse number 7, though, And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt uh, the Lord thy God. So again, underline the word said there, Jesus said in verse 7. So again, he's speaking back the Word of God. Verse 8, again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdom of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things will I give thee, underline will I give thee. This is the devil saying, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Okay, underline the rest of that too. Fall down and worship me. You see, you see, you see don't forget the real goal of the devil is of Satan himself, if he can, is to get a scripture to the point that he or she doubts who they are in Christ Jesus. That they doubt, they doubt their authority to use the name of Jesus so much that you wind up giving up and turn to him. 
Okay? And that turning to him can be, oh, well, I'll never do devil worship and whatnot. Yeah, but you wind up walking on a real thin ice when you start, when you stop involving God in your life. When you start thinking that I can fix this thing myself. That I can figure it all out. And you stop going to God. You abandon God. You abandon prayer. You abandon church. Okay? You see? So, so you wind up trying to do things yourself. And when you start getting into that point of view where you're not, you're abandoning God and prayer and church and everything else, you'll wind up on a very, very slippery slope into just going down and saying, if you just will fall down and worship me. You know? The world, the world worships the devil. You see? And many of them will say, oh, well, gee whiz, I don't go to a, a satanic altar or, or anything like that. But if you're denying God, guess what you're doing? You're, you're, in, you're in essence, you're, you're giving way to the devil. If you're putting God out of your life and where this country is heading, so much is going on. Every time you turn around, they're trying to get rid of his name or undo a monument or take the words off or off of something that has to do with God. It's going down a very slippery slope. So, so Satan says to him, there are all these things will I give you if you just fall down and worship me. Verse number 10. Then saith Jesus, again saith Jesus unto him, get thee, be, get thee hence Satan, for it is written, thou shalt uh, worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy serve. Thou serve. And again, Jesus said and quoted back scripture. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Here we see Jesus use the spoken word. In Proverbs 18 to 20, 18, 20 and 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Matter of fact, let's go there real quickly. Proverbs 18, because I, I want you to underline this in your Bible so that you'll have it there for future reference. Proverbs 18. Okay. Proverbs 18. And you see there uh, verse number 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Underline that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Okay. So what you say out of your mouth, what you say out of your mouth can impact your life. It can impact your circumstances. It can impact others that are around you and things that are there, you know. And the funny thing is that Christians seem to forget that what they speak forth has power. Words have actual power. They seem to forget that. But yet still, in the secular world, especially among secular business owners and things like that, they're always talking about be careful about what you say about your business. Okay? Even the secular people will call it self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, what you wind up saying repeatedly and repeatedly can wind up impacting your business. You know, if you're not speaking good things about your business, all you're doing is speaking negative things about your business, then your business will wind up not succeeding. And they call it self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, that's based on biblical truth, actually. I mean, what you say, the power of your mouth, you'd be surprised, you know, how what you're speaking into, into existence by simply using your words. You know? I, I many times stop myself and try to catch myself from using an expression, boy, I saw so-and-so and so-and-so, boy, boy, and that blew my mind. Every time I see that, that blows my mind. Now, what am I actually saying? 
You know, what am I wishing that my mind would just literally be blown? You have to be careful what you say out of your mouth, you know. You're you're talking to a child, you're chastising a a, a kid, a a toddler or something for doing something wrong, and you keep calling the kid stupid. What are you, stupid? Come here, stupid, let me show you how to do that. What's the matter? You're too dumb to do do that. And you're constantly saying to that kid, stupid, 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 you know. The power of the tongue. This is why, as a matter of fact, too, if you look at the biblical words, I mean, and we've all, all of us who've had relatives that have had babies, or if you've had babies, you know that there are tons of books out there on the meaning of, of names before you, you name a child. And there are many books you can get that will tell you the name of the, the, the child that you're, you're thinking about, the name that you give it, because in, 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 in biblical um, uh, concepts, what you name a person is what you are speaking to that about that person in terms of its of attributes. Okay, in terms of attributes. So you name a child that has some good meaning to it, that has that has good 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 meaning behind it. So that when you're calling that child uh, Michael, for instance, it, it's a positive thing that you're speaking forth to that about that child. You know, I've never known anyone to name their child stupid. Even though many times parents constantly call them stupid. Amen? So you got to be really careful about the words that are in your, coming out of your mouth and the power of those words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you go to Matthew 12, go back to Matthew for a minute. Matthew 12. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 33. Okay. Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and his, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in other words, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. What you're really, really feeling will come out of your mouth. Okay? You know? And the interesting thing that I find, too, that's why, you know, and I'm not getting into the controversial things about drinking and so forth like that for Christians. I know what the Bible says about it, okay? And the argument will be, some will say, well, the Apostle Paul drank because it says take a little wine for your stomach, and I know all those arguments, all right? All I know that where the Bible talks about being sober and being... I don't want anything um, putting me in any kind of a relaxed state so that I cannot hear Holy Spirit ministering to me. That's all I will say. Whether you choose and drink, you read the scriptures and that's up to you. I'm not going to get on the bandwagon about it. I know all the pros and cons. I know the arguments. All I'm just saying is a child of God where it talks about being sober and being so that you can walk in the spirit. Um, So many times I've seen people, including Christians, that wind up drinking. And then when they're drinking, all of a sudden they get so relaxed. They get so relaxed. Where Holy Spirit is not guiding their conversation or their thoughts. And if there's any bitterness down in there, even in a Christian, or if there's even some dislike for a person, even in a Christian, when under the influence, then all of a sudden, what they really, really feel comes out of their mouth in spoken words. 
something they would never say normally, they wind up saying. Why? Because for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see? So what's in your mouth will really come out. Okay? Okay? And again, that spoken word then that comes out, not under control of Holy Spirit, will wind up doing a whole lot of damage to the person that is hearing that, or, or the person that is receiving those words that come out of that mouth. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's really deep down in your heart will come forth. Alright? He goes on to say there, a good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. Okay? A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Underline that. You ever stop and think about that? Every idle word, or every word that's been spoken forth, okay, shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Okay? See, so at this point, what I really, really want you to say, to see, and to understand, is the power of the spoken word. So that you don't misunderstand that and underestimate the power of what is coming out of your mouth. Okay? And therefore, we, we need to learn then, if this kind of, if the spoken word, this powerful then, what am I saying in my life that can be feeding the doubt? Because today's message, again, is starving doubt and feeding your faith. So if the powerful words, if the words coming out of my mouth have such power, then what maybe am I saying that could be adding to my doubt? Alright? Every time you're praying for something and there's something dealing with that subject matter that you're praying about, if you make a negative confession, you know, going back to my shoes in, in our uh, shopping in JCPenney I talked about last week, I'm going to J.C. Penney to find some brown shoes, let's just say men's brown shoes. And as I'm walking into J.C. Penney, I'm just talking about, I ain't going to find no bad. They're probably not going to have it. You know, or they're probably not going to have my side. Yes, yeah, so deep down inside, I want those brown shoes so bad. But as I'm walking down the aisles, I probably ain't going to find that brown. You know, and you laugh, you think, well, how dumb is that, okay? But this is what we wind up confessing, you see? And this whole thing of the spoken word, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing that has re reality um, in the physical world, in the natural world. So you walk down the aisle, I'm not going to find those brown shoes. They'll, they'll probably be blue shoes and everything, but not no brown shoes. And then surely enough, when you get there, you go down all the boxes, go to all the boxes, and guess what? There ain't no brown shoes. The blue shoes are there, the red shoes are there, everything else, but not my brown shoes. Then you get mad and you start kicking the boxes, you start cussing at the salesperson and everything. And who possibly did that? You, because you spoke it forth. And I, I wholly believe that. I wholly believe that. Totally believe it. Okay? Because there have been times that I've done that. Okay? Whereas on the other hand, you're walking down that aisle and you're saying, Praise God, for I believe that I will find those branches. I believe that they're there. I believe, I believe, I believe. By you confessing that negativity, you're feeding that doubt. You're feeding it. Because, and then how are you feeding it and how is that doubt prospering and growing? Very simple. 
When I get to that aisle and I check those brown shoes and they're not there, you see? Then that doubt is like this. See, I told you they weren't going to be there. <laughs> see? The spirit of doubt is saying, see, I told you they're not going to be there. You see? And then over time, you wind up with that same expectation, especially about things that you really, really want. You start saying, gee whiz, wow, I'm looking for this car, I'm looking for this house, I'm looking for this job. You go, oh, I'm probably not going to get it. And guess what? You don't get it. I'm probably not going to find it. Guess what? You don't, you don't find it. You see? Because you are confessing the, the spoken word spiritually, based on the word of God, has power. And if you choose not to believe that, then you, you are already feeding your doubt. And you're bringing yourself, because if the spoken word has no power, then why do you even bother praying? Why do you bother even talking to God? You know? Why do you make positive confessions towards God? Amen? You see, you see so the power of that, of that spoken word. You, you see, for thy by words uh, you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. And so we can go through lives, our lives con- condemning ourselves right here and now because we're constantly feeding that doubt instead of starving it. The way you fight the devil is by opening your mouth and saying what God says. Don't just let the devil use your mind as a garbage dump. Because that's what he's doing. Every time you start mouthing forth doubt and you're speaking it forth or you're entertaining the thoughts, you're feeding that doubt. And, and if you just picture that doubt that's sitting up there in your mind and in your spirit, and, and that, that doubt is just getting sadder and sadder and sadder and sadder. Picture that. You really want to have a disturbing thought. You picture doubt sitting up in your head growing fatter. How many here remember Jabba the Hutt? Star Wars. Remember how he looked? Quite an unpleasing or displeasing thing, right? Just that. And so that doubt is just sitting up in your mind, just fast, festering, festering, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay? To the point that if it goes unchecked, it starts really drowning out and smothering your faith. Alright? Every day you need to say something like, Something good is going to happen to me today. Try that. Seriously, try that. Try when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, just before you brush your teeth, or after you brush your teeth, just don't try while you're brushing your teeth. You have a big mess to clean off your mirror. But try saying there, something good is going to happen to me today. I'm serious, literally. Try saying that. Get in the habit of saying every single morning, something good is going to happen to me today. I can hardly wait to see what God is going to do in my life today in the name of Jesus. Literally, start saying that. I'll say it again. Something good is going to happen in my life, happen to me today. I can hardly wait to see what God is going to do in my life today in the name of Jesus. Okay? So now what you're doing is that doubt who is so accustomed to you feeding it in the morning. Oh boy, this is Monday. Blue Monday. Which is, is, is automatic. I'm nice to hear that in the office so much. How are you today? Oh, that's okay for a Monday. Were you bad on Tuesday? Well, no. Were you bad on Wednesday? No. Why are you asking me this? Well, why are you saying that Monday is going to be any different for you? And they look at me like, all right, good seeing you, Mike. And they walk out. <laughs> okay. All right. But why do you confess that? All right. You get up in the morning and instead of saying, oh boy, I hate going to this meeting. Or I dread going to work today. Or I dread doing whatever so and so. Oh man, I got to go buy this. I got to go shop for this. Or I dread doing this. I dread doing that. 
you know? One of the things I really dislike doing is going for an oil change. I just really do. I, I just, you know, I'm not of the type to just get there and change it myself. Some of us are, are blessed and gifted to do that. Amen. But, you know, years ago I realized, well, you know, my prayer is going to be, Lord, I believe that when I get there, the line will be short and I'll be able to just get in and get in and out and so forth and so on. And that's how it's been. It won't cost me a bundle. All right. I go for gas. My wife will tell you, as I'm driving to the gas station, I'll pray. I'll say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, oh, Lord, let me get in and out of the gas station, out of long line, and so forth and all like that. All right? And invariably, invariably, if I go, in, go into the gas station, I can get in. Mean, obviously, if I go by there and, and I can see that the lines are too long, I won't go in. But I pray, Lord, let there be. So in other words, the, the, the words out of your mouth is something of a, of, of a positive confession. Not one that is a negative thing because you don't want that negative doubt, that spirit of doubt just, just growing. So get in the habit of saying that something good is going to happen to me today. You especially need to speak this when the devil is trying to flood your, your mind with doubts. If you've got something going on in your life, something you're praying for, something you're hoping for, and there's a challenge out there, you really need to do that if the devil has you worried that the thing that you're praying for is not going to happen. Or the thing that you're praying about is not going to come to pass. That's when you really need to starve that demon of doubt. Because that demon of doubt is there just trying to feed on you being worried whether or not the thing you're praying for or about is going to happen. You need to cut that off at the shank. Right away. Right away. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. So I believe that I have received, or I believe that so-and-so, and you repeat back what it is that you're praying for. I believe that it's going to come to pass. Okay? Ready? And when you feel that you are really, really worried about something, this is a major thing you're praying about or praying for, and it's really troubling you. You try to watch TV and the thought is popping up where you're worried about that, you need to get some time, and, and, and the first thing you need to do is to remember, again, what we're talking about here today, you picture that spirit of doubt just sitting there getting bigger and bigger because every single minute that you're thinking about it and you're missing what's on TV or you're not able to do whatever else, whatever else it is you should be doing, the, the longer you can't do that, you're just feeding this thing. You're feeding it. You're feeding it. So you've got to stop it. Cut it off. And you say in the name of Jesus Christ and you go in and you speak what the Word of God says. All right? God, my father, is a cattle of a, is the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. Therefore, my father has everything that I need. I am, I am his. I am a child of his. Therefore, the things that God has, God is willing to give to me. God will bless me. Amen. You cut off that spirit of doubt. You start reciting back scripture concerning it. You may be thinking, well, I just can't help it. I wish I could believe and not doubt. But the truth is you can Okay? And they say, these, I wish I could believe. You know? You know? And in the most silent moments, when you're by yourself and there's no one else listening to you, to hear you, and you can say and think whatever it is you really say, say and think, you may have thought to yourself, gee whiz, I wish I could really believe. I wish I could stop doubting. Pastor was just talking in church about feeding my doubt. Later on tonight, this is, when things are quiet in your house, you know, and you're in bed. I wish I could, wish I could really have that faith, you know, you know. 
And then the devil will start convicting you. Yeah, look at you. You go to church every Sunday. You do this. You're tithing regularly. You're giving. When people talk to you, you appear to be such a saint. You appear to be such a strong Christian. But deep down inside, you don't believe. You don't believe. It's that devil again feeding that spirit of doubt. And then you wind up laying there quietly and you're saying, gee whiz. The truth of the matter is because only you know yourself. Nobody knows you like you outside of God, but, but no one knows you. I wish I, could, wish I could believe. Well, you've got to think about this, okay? God would not tell you to believe in him. God would not tell us to believe in him if it wasn't possible for us to do so. All right? God would not tell us to believe in him unequivocally believe in him if it wasn't possible for us to do so. And why do I say that? Stop and think about it. Does God ever tell you to do something that you can't do? Let me ask this of you. Would God tell you to do something that you couldn't do? Would he? God is not going to say to you anything that you are not capable of doing in him. Okay? On our own, we can do nothing. We cannot beat the devil. We can't beat him up or anything. But what did Jesus say if you believe in him? That he's then giving you the authority to use his name. Okay? So would God really tell you to do something that you can't do? All right? So God is saying to you, Have faith in me. Would God say that to you if you did not have the ability to have faith in him? Alright? It's very, very simple. If you believe everything else that God said is true, then you've got to believe that God would not tell you to have faith in you, in him, if it was not in you, if you did not have the ability to do so. Okay? Even the atheist Even the atheist has the ability to have faith in God. Okay? Even the atheist has the ability to have faith in God. The fact of the matter is, would he or she choose to do so? Okay? That's where the rubber meets the road. Okay? All of us have this, the way God created all of man is to have this, hole in him that requires God. But man, over the millennia, has always tried to fill that desire, that hole in him for God, with all things that are not of God. 21st century, we still see it. People try to fill it with drugs, try to fill it with illicit sex, try to fill it with three, four, five, six marriages, whatever it is. Riches, A million cars, a million houses, okay? But nothing can satisfy that hole that's in you but but, but God. Because we're all created that way. So even the atheist has the ability to have faith in God, but the atheist chooses not to. You have the ability to have faith in God. So you have to choose to do so. Because God would not have you do something that was impossible for you to do. We can defeat doubt and unbelief if we know how to do it. 
So how do we do it? How do we believe God and live by faith? Romans 10:17 says, "Tell us how uh, tells us how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Okay? That's how faith comes. If you're constantly exposing yourself to the word of God as much as possible, then that will continue to bolster your faith. And why does it work that way? Is because if you are constantly hearing the word of God and you can quote back the word of God, then that means when that spirit of doubt comes at you, you will know how to rebuke him by using the word of God. Alright? But if you're not sitting down studying the word of God, if you're not listening to the word of God, then when that devil says to you, you know, you know, you know and I'm using the quote that he said to Jesus, if you be the son of God, or Satan may say to you, which is more applicable, is if you are a child of God, and you are, if you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, if you are a member of the body of Christ, and you are, okay, and you, know, and you know the scriptures to quote back, then you're cutting off the food, you're cutting off the sustenance that's going to that spirit of doubt. The key here is the word of God. We need to love the word of God and go after it like we go after food when we're really hungry. You know? Again, when you've got a, a, a troublesome time going on in your life, are you hungry for the word of God the same way you'd be for something else that you're seeking? Be it a donut, be it those brown shoes I was talking about, or some, something else that you would really go out of your way seeking. I remember one time we were just being foolish and silly, I guess, and enjoying ourselves, but we were playing some video games at the house, and somebody started talking about those McDonald's apple pies. And as we were playing the video games, we just started getting Brandon's back there laughing because he remembers he was there. And uh so yeah, let's the more we talked about them, oh remember how they're warm and crazy and da 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 finally we said, you know, let's go get some. And there were, I don't know, four or five of us, my son from New York was here and so on. Anyway, so we went on out and went to the nearest McDonalds and they only had three or something like that and that wasn't enough. We said, Where's the next McDonalds? We went to another McDonalds. You have those stones, apple pies, I'm like, yeah, 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 we have them. How many do you have? Eight. We'll take all eight. That still wasn't enough. We went to another, went to three or four McDonald's and we literally bought whatever they had on stock. Literally. We came back with four or five big bags of those apple pies, all right? And we sat down and we just had the most joyous time playing video games and eating McDonald's apple pies, all right? So obviously, I mean, something was wrong with us, you know, to do that. But we had just had a hooping good time doing it, and we were hungry for those apple pies. Well, the same way we desired those apple pies. And having three wasn't enough. Having eight plus three is eleven. Having eleven wasn't enough. We kept going, well, that's how you get beat about the word of God. All right? You got something going on in your life that you're praying for, then you need to, to feed that faith, feed that faith by literally seeking the Word of God with the same um, level of, 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 of fervor or fever that we were seeking those apple pies. All right? And that's how you wind up starving the doubt. Because you're feeding that faith and, 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 and the, the, the anti-faith, so to speak, is not going to that spirit of doubt. So you're not feeding it. All right? God's word is medicine for our soul and the food that we need to keep our spirit strong. It has inherent power to change our lives when mixed with faith. The word of God mixed with faith can change your life, you see? So that means that you can't just read the word of God and not have faith in what it says. Okay? 
spirit of infirmity. You got a cold, which there's so much of that going on today. Many of us are out because of, of colds that are going around. You bind up that spirit of infirmity. Because the word of God says, with Jesus stripes, I am healed. So what you need to do when you're feeling ill is that you need to keep repeating those words to you. By Jesus stripes, or with Jesus stripes, I am healed. So therefore that means that the act that was done on the cross 2,000 years ago has, has merit today, has meaning today. And then you've got to have faith then that if Jesus overcame sickness through, through his stripes, taken on his back, if Jesus overcame that sickness, then you have to believe that because of that you are healed. You have to believe it. As you study and you speak the word, be sure to also talk about the good things God has done and not the problem. You see? Many times we wind up speaking to others about the problem that's going on in our lives. Yeah, I got this house and I'm trying to sell it. And man, oh man, I'm just having a hard time to sell it and everything. And then you walk through the house and the devil says, Hey, you see that room? You see this? You see that? That's why you're not going to sell the house. That's why you're not going to get the car. That's why you're not going to get the job. You see this? You see that? That's why. That's why. That's why. What does the word of God say about that? You know? One of the most effective ways when you're praying for something even, even is that as you, you send up that prayer to God, understand that the first time you sent that prayer, according to the word of God, according to Daniel, book of Daniel, I think it's Daniel 10, where Daniel was praying for an answer to the dream, didn't get the prayer, didn't get the answer, didn't get the answer, didn't get the answer. Finally, an angel appeared and said, God heard you the first time you sent up that prayer. Okay? But it took me 20 and 1 days. 21 days, the angel said, to bring the answer to you. Because he got into battle with the prince of Persia. You know, demonic forces came against him to try to prevent him from bringing the answer. And then he said, but then the archangel Michael came along and we defeated him. So now I bring the answer. So when God, you send up a prayer, God hears you when you sent that prayer up. Just because it's not answered in five minutes possibly, or the next day, or the next week, or the next month, then what you pray in the meantime is, when you're praying about that, is you say, thank you God, for I believe that I have received it. And you keep repeating that every single day. Every single time the thought comes to mind. You want to negate that spirit of doubt. You want to cut off the food that you're giving it. Say, so say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke your spirit of doubt. For I believe that God has given me so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. I believe that I have received so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And you keep confessing that back. And then on the day that the thing actually comes to you, or the day that the prayer is actually answered, then you say, thank you, Lord, for I have received it. Thank you, Lord, for I have received it. You see? Because God heard your prayer. Alright? See? But you've got to keep out that spirit of doubt. And you need to keep confessing back, well, thank you, Lord, because I know that I have received it. Because you know that God, God, God can be working on things in your life very right now, the moment that you're sitting here. Something you're praying for, or some condition, or whatever that's going on in your life. God heard your prayer, and He's working on it right now. And it may take time for it to manifest itself or to show up in our physical existence, in our physical realm. Doesn't mean that God hasn't heard you and is not answering the prayer. Amen? Amen? Because in God's realm, God, God operates, God does not experience yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
We human beings live in, live in what's called linear time. In other words, first there's, 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 there was yesterday, then there's today, and then there will be tomorrow. Well, God lives in, in eternity. In eternity, there's no sense of time as we know it, as we understand it. So when God says that I answered your prayer, I've given it to you. He's already given it to you. How many times in Scripture, in the Old Testament, by the way, that, that, by the way, where he talks about the land that I have given thee, he said to the Israelites? The land that I have given thee? They weren't there yet. But God said, I gave it to you. Amen? So the same way God may have answered your prayer already, just that you haven't seen it yet. Alright? But don't let that spirit of doubt, don't feed that spirit of doubt by saying, eh, well, it ain't here yet. You know? By looking at your iPad or your, 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 your iPhone or, 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 or what Android phone is saying, well, gee whiz, you know, today's September 17th, and I sent up that prayer to you, Lord, on August 12th. Okay? Let that spirit of doubt, because then you're feeding the doubt. You're feeding the doubt. God always has his reasons for answering us when he does. God's time is always correct. It's always right. All we have to do is consider and think about how do we live and exist until that thing is actually manifested in our physical lives. So that's why we've got to be so careful not to, speed, not to feed that spirit of doubt. We can feed our faith with the word rather than feeding doubt with the devil's lies. Okay, I'll say that again. We can feed our faith with the word of God, rather than feeding doubt with the devil's lies. Okay? When you think about that, every time you think about the lie that the devil is telling you, you're feeding doubt. Every time I walk down that aisle and I say, I don't brown shoes, they probably ain't going to be there anyway, then I'm feeding doubt. I'm feeding doubt. Okay? We can respond to the thoughts of the devil. We can respond to the thoughts of, of the devil brings to our mind with the truth of God's word. That's how you respond to the thought that the, devil, that the devil tries to put in your mind. We can feed our faith with the word rather than feeding doubt with the devil's lies. When you spend time with people who feed your faith, it will encourage your faith in God. Think about who you're around. If you are around people that speak negativity all the time, then you're going to experience the same thing. You know? When someone speaks negativity to you, by the way, here you are trying to discuss something that you're praying for, something you're believing for, and then that person says to you, ah, oh, well, it ain't going to so and so, so, so. Yeah. or they probably don't have your size anyway, or they this, or they that, or they that, then you say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And after they look at you strangely, then you go on and you say that because I believe that God has given me so and so. All right? You got to rebuke that thought in a minute. To rebuke those words that are coming forth, you know. If, if you are around, you've heard the expression, you know, was it Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy, you know, all those kinds of people. We all know those people. No matter what you say, it seems, it seems like they'll have a negative thing to say about it. Oh, well, so-and-so, so-and-so, I got blessed with so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, well, yeah, it's probably going to break down next week, you know. Oh, well, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, well, it's probably going to so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, you know, and how do you feel when you hear that? You know, somebody raining on your parade constantly. All right. You don't want to be around people because you stop and think, how do you feel when you hear that? You, you, you really need to start surrounding, surrounding yourself with people that are, are thinking more positively and believing in the word of God. You got to be determined to do your part, to build your faith. Never give up. 
Never give up. And you can wind up defout, defeating doubt and unbelief. Right? And remember that the devil wants to keep you that way. The devil wants you in a, in, a, in a spot there where you will be doing nothing but doubting the word of God and doubting everything that God says to you. Because then he can wind up keeping you off balance. All right? And stop and think. God has a purpose for every single life that is here, here today. God has a purpose. How can God carry out his purpose in you for his life if you're entertaining doubt? How can you be an effective tool for him? Everyone in this room, God has placed where they are for a reason. Perhaps to minister to someone else, to minister to our children, to our grandchildren, to whatever it is in life, someone that you may run across in the store while you're shopping. But if you wind up entertaining doubt more than faith in God and the word of God, then how can you be effective for him? And stop and think about it, saints. That's the devil's ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is to get you to the point where you are an ineffective uh, child of God. Where you can't do what God wants you to do. That's why the devil said to Jesus, if you're the son of God. So you've got to really starve that doubt. Starve that doubt. Grow, feed the faith that is in you. Remember that the devil, you know, the, 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 the devil knows you by name. The devil knows you by name. He, he's, there's a target on your back. Whether you choose to believe it or think so or not, the title, a, a, a target on your back. And if he can put you out of commission, get you to a point where you, you've lost such faith in God, that all you do is doubt, 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 then you're not going to be effective for him. Okay? You won't be. You know? And God forbid that you've Gone the route of some people, and I'm talking about 21st century people, I'm not talking about 500 or 1,000 years ago, that have been so bombarded by doubt and, under, and letting other people with doubt influence them, that they wind up dropping and falling away from God. First they stop praying, then eventually they stop coming to church, or very irregular then they wind up not coming at all. The next thing you know, if you run into contact with them, oh yeah, I'll come by to visit, I'll this, I'll do that and do that. Not worshiping any place. They become prime fodder for the devil then because they just go right on downhill, you know. And then it gets to the point where I believe it's going to that things that we need so much. Food, water, eventually... Or it, it, it'll probably be a while before it actually got down to food and water, but things that we are accustomed to being able to get, things like services and whatnot, will only be available to certain people. And those certain people will be those who are willing to compromise themselves with the Word of God. You know? If you are a believer, then you're not welcome here. If you are a believer, you can't function here. They're already getting to the point where they try to say that people that believe in certain things shouldn't be a part of the governing body of our legislature, of our Congress. One person was being interviewed and they started questioning the person's religious affiliation. This is in a public, in an open hearing. Someone, someone running for office or, or about to be confirmed. During those confirmation hearings, they were challenging that person's faith, which has never been done before. 
Well, it greatly concerns us that you are this, that you are that. In this particular case, the woman was an was a, a, uh, Orthodox Catholic. And they say that it concerned them because she is. Because in your, mighty, in your many writings that you've put out there, we see that your face is in those writings. And it concerned them. It's never happened before in government for them to bring up that kind of questioning, you see. For those of us that are reading the word of God, you see that these things are prophesied to, to happen. So I can see the writing on the wall. I see where it's heading. And the question is, how strong will you be to stand your ground if you're challenged? Or will you let that spirit of doubt just get in there and say, oh boy, yeah, you know, I'll be better if, if I go to the other side. I'll be better if I just kind of give in and go with them. Then the devil puts up a scoreboard. He marks another point next to your name. Because now he's taking you out of the game for God. And he's putting you closer to his side. Because that's where you're heading. That's where you're heading. If you sell your soul for a bottle of water. Or anything else. That's where you're heading. Amen. Starve the doubt. Feed your faith. Praise God. Hope this blessing, this word has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.